0: It's a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. All right, let's get right into this. I was anxious to get Mark Milkey on as a guest, having read Barbara Kay's piece in the National Post. Came out just in the aftermath, or right around Canada Day, where uh, we would tend to celebrate I think the glory of this nation, all of its accomplishments and, uh, you know, the principles and values for which it stands, although not everybody sees it in that light, Uh, of late, a certain narrative has taken hold, and uh, our Prime Minister, as much as anyone, is promoting this, that Canada's somewhat of a failed nation for which we have to apologize on several fronts, but as a counterpoint to all of that, Mark Milky, as the President of the Aristotle Foundation for Public Policy, has compiled a compendium of essays, 20 in total, that really uh, belie the fact that Canada is a failed nation. I wanted to get him on, as I say, in that regard. Mark Milkey, good to have you here on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon.
1: Thanks for having me on, John.
0: So what was the impetus of the Foundation's collection of essays that uh, go to what I say the jugular of political correctness and prevailing narratives?
1: Well, the genesis for the 1867 project, uh, the book name there, is... Really, I think the, the prevalence of what I call cancel culture, which has become a cliche by now, but it's no less true for that. So when you look at John A. Macdonald, you know, taking down his statues around the country, attacks on the statues of Queen Elizabeth or Queen Victoria, renaming university, Ryerson University in Toronto, and so on and so forth, there's this notion that we should be ashamed of Canada's past or the people who built the country. Problem with that is a number of things. But look, everybody's built this country over the past 20,000 years since the people we now call indigenous first arrived across the Bering. Plains, as they were then known, to you know, French fur traders 500 years ago, to people that may have come two months ago from Ukraine or Hong Kong, escaping troubles in those places. Everybody's built the country, and we need to recognize that. So it was really kind of a pushback to say, you know, look, there, there's some wrong thinking going on about Canadian history, not that there weren't bad things done in the past uh, or now, But uh, look, uh, countries like civilizations are really akin to an oak tree, and they take decades, hundreds of years, sometimes millennia to build when you talk about civilizations. And what you do with trees, uh, an oak tree, and I use the the word, uh, the the analogy of an oak tree because it's got a great canopy, can protect a lot of people, kind of like a country. And Canada's been that for the most part. It hasn't been perfect. But what do you do with imperfections in a tree or in a branch? You prune the branch. And uh, you don't take down the entire tree, but we've got people today who seem to disdain the entire tree, so to speak.
0: Yeah, let me back up. When you you call it the 1867 project, why Canada should be cherished, not canceled. Are you riffing on in America, you know, the 1619 project, which uh, dials into that year as, you know, the original sin for America that's informed all else? Is that what you're doing here?
1: We are, but we flipped it on its head and, and said, look, the point of a, a country that's a project is that it's ongoing. wasn't perfect then. wasn't perfect in 1960. Um, it's not perfect now, and it'll never be perfect because guess what? Uh, you, know, you and I, John, and others are imperfect uh, creatures, right? Mm-hmm. We're human beings. We're full of imperfections. And someone 100 years from now will look at you and I and go, John, Mark, how could you have thought X? And they will be right to ask that question. But what people forget, at least some people, is, again, it is an ongoing project. And like a tree, Canada has been pruned over the years. In fact, look, the things to be proud of, I mean, there's many in our history. And it's a mistake to look, you know, from from being the the end point for, you know, black Americans fleeing the American South and slavery, uh, for getting rid of slavery almost before any other country in the world, um, to providing the vote for an ever a growing number of different types of people, you know, women starting with no women in the 1910s in this country and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, people mistakenly sometimes compare our country, other countries to maybe uh, perfection or to uh, you know, what they should do is compare it to other countries in history or, you know, the very real battles that others fought in previous ages. I mean, for, to give you one clear example, to say that Canada is an institutionally or systemically racist country is just nonsense. You can encounter bigots and prejudice today. But Ontario, for example, started to outlaw prejudice, or sorry, systemic racism. Um, you, you couldn't, you know, uh, starting in the 1950s. They outlawed, Ontario did, discrimination based on race or gender for accommodation and hiring in the early 1950s. That was literally systemic discrimination that was outlawed. And people today, some people, still mistake the occasional bigot out there or bad attitude for systemic discrimination where Jews couldn't attend universities in the numbers they would have otherwise, or discrimination against Chinese people in this country uh, prior to the 1950s, for example. So we've got people today who, again, look at history the wrong way and go, uh, in that case, for example, don't understand that some reforms have been made. But also, it was the very ideas that came out of, say, 19th century classical liberalism that Johnny MacDonald and others, Wilfrid Laurier, people of all stripes, held that that looked at the individual and and valued the individual. They weren't perfect. They were racist back then, to be sure, compared to us. But they had the right ideas, which was that the individual mattered. And that was, in fact, how we got to where we were, because of those ideas. So we try and point some of those things out in the 1867 project.
0: Again, Mark Milkey is with us. He's the president of the Aristotle Foundation for Public Policy, and uh, as he cites the 1867 project, why Canada should be cherished, not cancelled, uh, is a very informative read. You were mentioning systemic racism, and you know how uh, you're sort of declaiming that. I've known in a very contemporary way that people have been dismissed from their roles uh, because. They actually said as much that there is no systemic racism, but there are racists and bigots. They do uh, obviously exist in all societies. But man, the narrative is now firmly entrenched. And I'm just wondering, you know, uh, in academia uh, or with our ruling elites that uh, this is something we have to subscribe to. Otherwise, you're a, a heretic per se. How did it get so deeply rooted in academia and with our ruling elites, including right at the top, I, I might say?
1: Well, I've spent a lot of time in academia. I, mean, I have three degrees. One of them you know, is a PhD. So I understand how academics think. But I also understand the power, I guess, of a narrative. Bad ideas can take hold, even though they're factually incorrect. So the American economist Thomas Sowell, he's 93 right now, uh, has battled this idea of systemic racism or, or sort of the story that racism explains all. Um, Sowell, who grew up in the South and then in Harlem, he's black, in other words, uh, has picked this apart for decades. And it's what we try and do in the 1867 project as well, which is to to say this, Uh, Canada is not Alabama in twenty twenty, sorry, 1923. But also, it's that you can't be monocausal about this stuff. For example, outcomes between groups, when you measure them, uh, using Statistics Canada data, which one of our authors, Matthew Lau from Toronto, does in, in a chapter in the book, uh, you find East Asians, those of East Asian origin um, or ethnicity or you know background are at the top of the income heap in Canada. And uh, others are in the middle, the average Canadian um, who might have white skin or might not, but indigenous Canadians are near to the bottom. Why is that? Well, A lot of it is explained by education levels or geography. A lot of First Nations people, for example, live in remote areas near reserve on reserve where the education possibilities are fewer, so too the career opportunities. That actually explains a lot more than the notion that somehow racism from 150 years ago uh, or yesterday explains everything in terms of incomes. It actually explains very little. So Thomas Sowell has done a lot of this in the United States. We're trying to do some of that here. In the 1867 project. Uh, again, care of Matthew Lau, who wrote one of the chapters uh, in the 1867 project on this very topic.
0: Well, you know, when we talk about uh, the revisionism that's taking place, presentism, uh, I don't know if he's a contributor in the book, but Terry Glavin, uh, with, you know, he's got his own uh, Substack, he was talking on this program uh, about where uh, contemporary narratives, the facts don't matter, but more uh, disconcerting is the fact. That the facts no longer matter. <laughs> you can
1: right, just... right. Well, and, and Greg Piaseczka, Toronto lawyer, goes into detail about John A. Macdonald, who again held 1867 views in 1867, and why would we expect otherwise? But Greg argues in the book that Macdonald actually did a lot for Indigenous people, and that's not recognized today. That, that's a very controversial view for some, but Greg says, look. But the facts are the facts. I think the other problem here, um, John, is that we actually live with people who are utopians. And what I mean by that is, in the last century, utopians were mainly Marxist, right? They looked forward, wanted to create a revolutionary state and this paradise in the future, this utopia in the future. We'd all be equal, you know, hunt in the morning, fish in the afternoon, as Karl Marx said. At least the utopians in the last century could argue they hadn't constructed the future yet, right? (laughs) Theoretically, they could create a perfect world. We've got people alive today in this country who look back in our history and go, why weren't they perfect? Well, obviously, because they were human beings like us. So why would you expect Johnny MacDonald or Wilfred Lloyd or anybody else, first of all, to hold the views we do today? We got here in part because, again, the seeds of some of their ideas, like liberalism, individual, that the individual matters. But also, why would you expect history to be perfect? It's done. So we have this weird... Utopianism going on as opposed to recognizing that past generations, uh, you know, had their own struggles and then they're the ones again who fought the tough battles. I mean, Ontario, the early 1950s, try and be a politician, arguing against what was Legitimately, or not legitimately, rather, I mean, um, what can legitimately be called a pretty racist society compared to today, where you might have had a lot of people that said, well, I don't want equality for someone who's got a different skin color, or I, or I don't want people from that country to come to Canada. And what Ontario did, Ontario politicians did in the early 1950s was very brave. They said, we're going to treat people as individuals in law and policy. Now, that doesn't mean the day after. That they changed attitudes immediately. But, you know, my, my point being that earlier generations actually fought some pretty tough battles to get us to where we are, and rather than trashing them and saying, why didn't they get here sooner, recognized the struggles they faced and, in fact, overcame. And we're the beneficiaries of that today. They helped build the, the country that we lived in today and spent a lot of blood and treasure and arguments doing so. So the 1867 Project is also kind of a call to... Maybe modesty uh, or modifying some of the extreme claims you hear today, like, are you really sure you want to look back and say that everybody in the 19th century was um, was a racist, uh, you know, or didn't understand, um, you know, the value of the individual? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, or, or it's one-sided. I mean, as they tell people, if you want to look at where slavery finally was abolished in Canada, it wasn't Ontario or Atlanta, Canada or Quebec uh, in in the 19th century. It was in British Columbia in the late 19th century. The British stamped out indigenous slavery in that province, what became a province, even though slavery had been abolished in the rest of the country pre-Confederation. So everybody's got their warts in their past. One of the things we try and do in the 1867 project is... Let's focus on the individual. That was always the mistake in history. Let's not make that same mistake now by slotting people into groups, into collectives, by color, ethnicity, gender, that sort of thing. Let's instead figure out how we can live together in this country going forward. And, um, and one of the ways to do that is to concentrate on laudable ideas and forget about people's identities. So, again, there's a lot in the 1867 project we're trying to accomplish, but ultimately we're trying to give people a positive vision. And um,
0: But Mark, you know, I'm just wondering, just uh, in closing here, because I'm tight yeah. on time, if you're getting blowback on this, because I can anticipate there are people who would say, well, you're just an apologist for historical injustices, to which you would say in closing.
1: You can, hold two, you can hold two ideas in your mind, and they're not contradictory. One is that, of course, there were problems in the past. Um, but every, every culture, for example, practiced slavery. And then you can celebrate the fact that the British Empire is the one who got rid of slavery, even though the British did some things you may not like either. So it's possible to recognize the, the warts in history and the deficiencies and also say, but some of the same people are the ones who corrected them. And should we acknowledge that?
0: Amen. Uh, It's a a real provocative read, the 1867 Project, Why Canada Should Be Cherished, Not Cancelled, and it's part of the Aristotle Foundation for Public Policies offering here uh, right around Canada today. Mark Milkey is the president of the organization. Mark, I appreciate your time very much. Thank you. Anytime, John. Thank you. You got it. Listen to The John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on earth, 24 hours a day, by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.